You all are a blessing, and it's a joy to be here. Uh, I never thought when Bonnie and I, we used to read Bible stories at night, and the, the kids would all pray for the missionaries in the cornfields. We would tell them foreign fields. And I can still remember Estelle praying for the missionaries in the cornfields. And you know what, if you raise your kids and read them missionary stories and tell them about reaching the world, the bad thing that happens is they go. And uh, it's just, it's really a challenge, as all of you know, to have children that live in other countries and serve the Lord. But uh, that's why heaven will be great. But here we go. And it was a blessing to listen to all of your presentation. But what drives us, Bonnie and I, I'm talking about, uh, to get worn out by study. Uh, I was talking to the multitude of you I got to talk to this morning, whether it was here in the services or in that potluck or in the hallways. And I said, did you know it was fun to be at Calvary all those years? Because all I had to do is preach the same message twice on Sunday morning, and I would get to speak again on Sunday night. So that was the second preparation. And then I would get to do something on Wednesday night. So actually, I had three messages to prepare. And that was so nice, because now I speak three hours a day, five days a week, and they're all different. It's just endless study. I mean, I, I work more than I've ever worked in my life. Uh, because at Calvary, you know, there's lots of staff and it's just Bonnie and I. So how come we're willing to get worn out by study, traveling all the time, teaching, sleeping in other people's homes? Do you know what it's like to sleep in other people's homes? I mean, we, we just, Bonnie and I stayed in a place where you had to go down three stairs, up three stairs, and go down the hallway to an unheated, uh, you know, this half had the bathtub in it, bathroom. They have bathrooms with baths in them, and then they have toilets, and you had to wait in line. I remember that there was, uh, they had someone else staying with them, and they were always in the toilet room, and I thought, this is not good, you know, when you're our age or my age, Bonnie's much younger, but you know what I mean. And, and so that's how we live on the road. And we are in homes around Europe and in Asia. You wouldn't believe in Asia. I even got sick in Asia. Uh, and so Bonnie talked to the missionaries. They took me to the doctor. The doctor didn't speak English. He brought out two cathodes. They're kind of like uh, uh, filament-covered sticks of, of carbon, and they were electrified. And he told the missionary, he has a sinus infection, and this is how we treat it, <laughs> up my nose, <laughs> cauterizing my nose. I thought, my goodness, I hope I survive from this. And then uh, he said, you need this medicine, and how many was it, honey, 96 pills? I don't remember. It was in plastic, like, they give it to you, it looks like candy. And I asked the missionary, I said, what is this? He said, we don't know, we don't speak Korean enough to understand. And I said, oh, man. Why do we do stuff like that? because we want to challenge the next generation to word-filled lives. Why? And this is where we need to open our Bibles. And this is what I want you to think about, because we're so insulated in America. If you open to Matthew 24, I want to show you what Jesus warned most about. You know, everybody, when they think of prophecy, you know, we're thinking about, oh, what's going to happen with Russia? Well, we already know Russia survives, right? They're at the very end of prophetic history. We're not so sure where we are, but Russia is there, and so is Iran, and so are all the Muslim satellite nations of the old Soviet Union, and so is all of Northern Africa. They're all mentioned in scripture. We're not, probably, but they are. It's not important to worry about that. 
This is what's important for us because we need to do something while we're here. And look at what Matthew 24 says. Jesus said this in verse five, for many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. Wow, keep going to verse 11. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And keep going down to verse 24 of Matthew 24. For false Christs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Wow. Jesus warned most that the greatest danger facing believers today would be deception. And have you thought in just our little lifetime, I mean, is the iPhone, was it born in 07? Does anybody know? When, when was the iPhone born? Is it 09, 07? Do you know what I'm talking about? This thing that's in most of your pockets? What year? 07. So in 15, now 16 years, the whole world has changed. This, this thing, I mean, I have a one terabyte, 14 teraflop camera. This thing is a 14 teraflop. That means it can do trillions of calculations per second. Did you know that the US government did not have a computer this powerful in the 1990s? And I have one in my pocket. We weren't doing teraflop computing back in the 90s, other than at Los Alamos and Oak Ridge, and maybe you know wherever the Russians make their atomic bombs. This has happened so quickly, I don't think, most of us, it's just like we're riding the wave. Now, anyone can deceive everyone instantly. Have you seen how quickly riots form everywhere? Do you see how quickly public opinion? Right now, I just read in the news today in Bloomberg that some prominent person said that they're ashamed to drive a Tesla because of the conduct of the man that started that company. And it's causing people to stop buying cars just like that. That's how fast that thing in our pocket or in your purse or on your desk is affecting the world. Can you imagine as soon as what ancient Romans used to say about Christians? Do you know, the, do you know what caused the persecution of Christians? It said that they were haters of humanity. What does that mean? They wouldn't go to the games at the Colosseums and at the amphitheaters. Christians wouldn't go because there was gratuitous bloodshed, because there was murder, you know, gladiators murdering each other, because there were animals, you know, harming people, slaves, they would throw slaves out there and let the animals chase them. And because Christians wouldn't go, they became branded as haters of humanity. The second thing is they wouldn't go along with the festivals of Roman you know, culture. And the festivals involved a lot of things. Uh, I just taught a class in, in uh, Romans and Galatians in the city of Rome, and one of the field trips we went to uh, the museums. I mean, the museums of Rome are incredible museums, and one of them was an exhibit of how those who followed Bacchus, you know, the, the, the god of revelry and wine and everything, how they would get drunk and run into the woods and do whatever drunk people do when they take their clothes off and run into woods. And it was all depicted in carvings. And because that became a part, the, the Dionysian festivals, the Bacchian celebrations, Christians wouldn't do that. So they were haters of humanity. Then people would listen to their communion services and they would hear a pastor say, this is my body 
eat it. This is my blood. Oh, then they became, they were people that were cannibal. They actually were thought to be cannibals because of the body and blood of Christ. And that spread through the empire. And the emperor was able to foment the crowds. And you all know the history of Christian martyrdom and persecution. It was public opinion that was used by the government to target a small part of the populace that was growing. Can you imagine when all of media turns against a place like this? There's a big footprint here in Kalamazoo. It's very well known. Can you imagine how rapidly that will happen? I mean, we think we're persecuted now. Mm -mm. But just think, not persecution. But let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2, because this is what it says. And I want to get through this tonight before it's quarter after. The Bible clearly teaches in 1 John 2.18 and 4.3. Let me read you those. Look at 1 John 2 and verse 18. It says, little children, in the last hour, as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists, notice if your Bible does this, the first Antichrist is capitalized. That is a person who takes Christ's place and rules the world. But the second one, even now many Antichrists, that's a small letter, have come, which, by which we know that it's the last hour. What is a little letter Antichrist? Well, I was taught by one in Lansing, Michigan. I went to Michigan State University. My very first class in whatever hall, I forget what it was, but there were 600 seats in it. It's right there on Michigan Avenue at Michigan State, and it was an English class. And the professor came out. You've heard me tell the story. It was my very first class at Michigan State. It was English literature. And he came out, and he was wearing shorts that had a slit up to the belt. It was disgusting. And his shirt open to his navel. Now, this you can tell how old I am. This is right after, you know, Haight-Ashbury and Woodstock and all that. And he was wearing a, a unicorn horn on his big hairy chest. And he came out smoking, you can tell it was in the 70s, with his cigarette between his little finger and his ring finger. That's how he started class. Through, he flicked the cigarette onto the floor and in his little shorts, went like that, and he said, my goal is to tell you about the mythology of Christianity. That was English literature. He was an antichrist. Small letter. But he was just like the biology professor that I had at Hazla High School. And he was so evolutionary, he wanted us to believe there is no possibility there could be a God. See what it says in verse 18? There are many antichrists, but they're all the buildup for the first part of verse 18, the capital letter one. We'll look at chapter four of verse three. This is what the Lord continues to say. Uh, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. And you have heard that it was coming, and now already it is in the world. But you are of God, verse 4, little children. You've overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And on it goes. So basically, the Bible clearly teaches that we can expect an invasion from the pit in the last days. Now, it's already started. John said it, Jesus said it's coming. John said it's here, and that was 2,000 years ago. During the final days, most people, we've already read what Revelation says, most people, the majority, vast majority, will be led astray 
by evil spirits and occult teaching. What does Revelation 9 say? What are the sins at the very end of the world when God is dropping 100-pound hailstones and squashing people in the height of the tribulation and demon hordes are running rampantly? What is going on? It says, neither would they repent. In fact, Bonnie always reminds me. She says, honey, don't say you know. Show them. Okay, so look at chapter 9 of Revelation. What I just described is chapter 9 of Revelation in verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons. There is such a crossover now in gaming into the demonic world. Uh, Not just gaming. Most of the Marvel series is talking about powers that God does not give. Those, those superheroes. God doesn't give powers to, you know, to Thor and all that stuff. So who does? Who is the God of this world? See, we don't realize that we are being entertained by what used to be false religions. I mean, the Norse, you know, the whole thing of, of Nordic ideas of the power of Thor, that is not of God. That is a pagan religion that we are entertained by because I don't even remember his name, but he's got pretty blonde hair and big muscles, and he's winsome. And so we go to be entertained, but in the back of our minds, we're being entertained by demon doctrines. Well, look how it gets in the tribulation, verse 20. They are not just entertained. They're not watching the Marvel movies or playing the, the horrible murder games that are occultic with demon names. No, no, they're worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders. So we think mass, I mean, we just had another horrible California deal, you know, murder of people and there was just two, uh, no, it wasn't California, there was, what state was it? It was just today. I don't know, it's just too much to even keep track of the mass murders going on just in our country. So murder is going to ramp up more than today. But they also would not repent of their sorceries. Greek word, all of you know this Greek word, pharmakeia, pharmacy. This is drugs. I mean, instead of stopping drugs, we legalize them all and just make it so it's it's, it's, it's not illegal so we don't have to fill the prisons with drug addicts and drug sellers and drug buyers and everything else. It's just gonna keep going because the world is going to be totally given over to murders, drug addictions, sexual immorality. I mean, nothing is wrong anymore. As I said this morning, God designed our DNA. So how you came into this world the unchangeable parts of your physical identity were exactly designed by God. But our generation, I don't want your design. I'm gonna redesign myself. And here's the last one, they're thefts. So during the final days, most people will be led astray by evil spirits, occultic teaching, and just this week. Now this is really interesting. Have you noticed how much Chat, GPT, Volley. Do you know what Volley is? That's the new program that, that Google has where, uh, well, 
all of them are groups that used to work at Google, now they've started their own companies, where they can learn, it takes three seconds to learn your voice. You just talk for a minute, and in three seconds of computing, it will get your intonation and your talking and the tone and everything else, and you can get yourself to say anything in Arabic and German and Japanese, whatever, whatever you want to pay for, Spanish, anything. I mean, it's a boon for us. I mean, we can translate, you know, if you'll pay, because it costs a lot of money, but if, if you pay, you can translate any teaching into any language, just like that. I mean, we have offers all the time. They say, oh, we'll do your, your sermons in Swahili. And I thought, I'd rather find a Swahili believer and have them because they will communicate much better than me talking to a group of Americans and translated through Vali into Swahili. But think about where we are. Just, just think about this. Machine learning, that's what AI is. I mean, they've been using that for ages. I mean, you all know what Facebook did with machine learning and they learned about people and they became this mega Uber company. And now Amazon is just, I mean, now they're into everything and they're coming fast for everything. And Google with their advertising, we know what machine learning does, that machines can think faster than us and make fewer mistakes than us. But now you, you have this AI machine learning made into a vehicle of communication? That's what chat GPT is. It's a group of brilliant Google engineers who Microsoft has just paid $10 billion this week to launch them into a commercial enterprise where all of us can use this. Did you know this fall, the most curious thing happened across the country in academic situations, that these flawless, grammatical, punctuated, perfect flowing sentences with perfect reasoning on amazing subjects started flooding the major universities of America and the, the teachers got together and they said, what is this? It's chat GPT. 80% of all web content in, over the next year is going to be from artificial intelligence. 80% Bloomberg says, and usually Bloomberg doesn't exaggerate if you know anything about business. So what does all that mean? Well, let's look at Revelation 13. Because you ever thought, it's actually in the Bible. Uh, what, by the way, what is artificial intelligence? Well, the word daimon, demons, are intelligent spirits. The word demon, the derivation of the word, comes from the Greek concept, from their pantheon, of these intelligent spirits that would guide people, and that's where the whole you know, galaxy of all of the, the Greek gods, you know, up on Mount Olympus comes from. They are these intelligent spirits, they know more than us, and they're super powerful, and they live up there, you know, on Olympus. Now think, those are demons. Now above them, Satan, the Bible tells us, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, is the most powerful and intelligent being ever created in the universe, Satan. Lucifer was his original name, fell to become Satan. The ad, Satan is a Hebrew word, means adversary. So his real name is adversary. He has one goal, to be adversarial toward God. His people, his plan, his salvation, everything. Now, chapter 13. Look at Revelation 13, verse 15. I'll start in 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. The first beast in chapter 13 verse 1 is the Antichrist, the beast, you know. This is another beast. This is, we call him the false prophet. Coming out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb. He spoke like a dragon. So, I mean, he's, he has this humble appearance. You know, who doesn't like a lamb? They're soft and squeezy and everything. But he speaks like a dragon. 
he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the Antichrist is mortally wounded and he recovers and it's a wonder. The whole, I mean, you've seen all the movies where they depict this, you know, like um, in Tim LaHaye's stuff, uh, what was it called, Left Behind and all that stuff. But look at verse 14, or verse 13. He performs great signs. So this false prophet walks around and performs great signs so that he can make fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Ooh, this is Elijah-like power that God allows. Hmm. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Now we're getting into robotics. They're making an image, but it doesn't just stop with a normal idol. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak, and let's just pause and say speak. You know, there are a lot of things going on. If you know anything about the occult, there's automatic writing. They're actually writers. There are actual books that have been written by automatic writing, which is, you know, a occultic person taking a pen, putting it in their hand like this, and they become like an automatic writer. They go, and they can write one book that was published in the 70s was 120 pages long and the guy wrote it overnight and it was a flawless book and it became a multi-million bestseller that I read at Haslow High School. It was called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Anybody old enough to remember Jonathan Livingston? That was an automatic writing book. Read the, the, the British guy, he said, I was walking on the beach and I, was, I heard a voice and the voice told me go home and write this and he said he put his pen in his hand and he wrote all night and it was that book. What is it about? It's about reincarnation. It's basically Genesis 3, Satan's lies of Genesis 3, written down in a beautiful book about a seagull. Amazing. That's totally denying the gospel, the creator, the redeemer, and everything. Can you imagine at the height of the revelation? I mean, today we have chat GPT. Microsoft just gave them $10 billion. Chat GPT will only go back to Google 2021. It doesn't know anything about after 2021, because they froze it because it's such a massive commute, computing job to have all the teraflop of, of calculations to do all the internet from 2021 back. You give them 10 billion, it's going to be current. It's gonna know everything that's on the internet. I mean, they're funding it so it'll start getting up to date. Can you imagine by this time what it is? This beast can speak. And so it's going to be the highest technology infused by Satan. Now, wait a minute. If we didn't even have the technology, look what Satan can do by himself. He's enslaved and deceived the world. He is, that is his total purpose, is deception as an adversary of God. There's going to be something. It's going to be an image looking like the Antichrist, this beast, and it's going to speak and cause, verse 15, as many as would not worship this image. So what I told 
the gang that we were having uh, time at Panera yesterday, I said, you know what, think of the Terminator. You know, don't think of the Terminator, it was horrible, but think of a super self-healing, super powerful robot that has the knowledge of everything, that can speak any language, and that knows, I mean, you know how much the internet knows about you. Bonnie and I were, were at the last time we were at this uh, CMDA conference, we were in Bangkok uh, or Chiang Mai, and I rented a car from the airport. It was only half full. I'm a full tank kind of guy. I drove right into the first gas station, plugged my credit card into the, the you know, how you do it, pulled it in and out. Ding! Chase said, are you buying gas in Thailand? I said, yes. You know, so it wouldn't turn my credit card off. And I thought, so it went from the gas pump to their little dish on the ceiling or the roof of the gas station to a geosynchronous satellite probably, bounced back down to Omaha, Nebraska. You know, that's where they process most of all the credit card transactions in America and a lot of the world went to Omaha, to those caverns they have that are so secure. And it checked and said he isn't supposed to be in Thailand, went back up, went back to the gas station, went to the you know, pump and waited, and got Verizon to send me a text. And this all happened, ding. I think it was maybe three seconds. And that was two years ago. It's faster now. They knew where I was, they knew what I was buying, and they were making a decision if they were gonna let me buy it. Now look at this, verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor and free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and no one can buy or sell. So that means if, if I was in the tribulation, the Antichrist would say, he's going to speak at a Christian group, don't give him any gas. See, you wanna be practical about this. That's where it's, it's headed in our lifetime. That's why all these people say, oh, the Lord could come in a thousand years. I said, yeah, he could. But we'd have to see Iran go back to Stone Age times, Russia go back to Stone Age times. You understand what I mean? Right now, Iran is on the cusp of, of they have enough kilograms of uranium to make atomic bombs, and their whole goal in life, the regime, not the people, there are a lot of sweet, wonderful, Iranian people, but the Iranian nation that's overseen by the Prince of Persia, who is one of the most powerful of all Satan's henchmen, has a single goal to destroy Israel. That is the only goal. That's why they're in the news every day. But Satan, plus the demons, into this creature, whatever it is, this image, makes me ask to believers, what's your source of truth? Have you ever thought how quickly they update everything on the internet? I mean, did you know that the majority of students I teach, Bonnie said however many hundreds we've taught, do you know what the majority of them come to class with? This is their Bible, this. Their parents and grandparents have one of these. This is their Bible. What happens when Bible Gateway or I don't even know the names of all of them, the, Bible, the online Bibles that everyone has. 
What happens when they're either turned off? You ever had a program turned off? You didn't renew your subscription to it, Adobe or Word, Office or whatever, and you can't open your document, you just go crazy because you've got to turn it in? I would think carefully about the world we're going into. I use this, by the way, all the time. And my MacArthur Study Bible's on here because it weighs too much to take in my suitcase. But I have, I have always this old fuddy-duddy antique thing. Because this runs out of battery, and they can turn Logos off instantly. Do you understand that? They can turn off whatever, whatever online Bible you use. It's amazing to think about. So, what's your source of truth? Is it the internet or AI spewed out answers, or is it the spirit of truth through God's word? So how full of the word of God are you, and why is that even important? So real quickly, I'm gonna close. I have five minutes. Uh, look at 2 Thessalonians. That's really where I wanted to go, so at least be happy we got there. Because look what Paul was teaching. This is only uh, Paul's third epistle. You know, he wrote Galatians first. He wrote 1 Thessalonians second. He wrote 2 Thessalonians third, okay? Now look what his earliest writings to a local church are saying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what was Paul teaching? He's already done 1 Thessalonians. Do you know what the whole book of 1 Thessalonians is about? The return of Jesus Christ for his church. It's called the rapture. The whole book is about it. It's in all five chapters. The first time Paul writes to a church, he didn't write Romans. He didn't write, you know, all those other, he wrote a prophecy epistle to a local church. Now this is his second one to the same church in Thessalonica, and this is what he says in 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, brethren, concerning our coming, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, he's on the rapture again. He's really stuck on that topic. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled by spirits or by word or by letter as from us as though the day of Christ had come. They were already getting that they'd missed it. Wow. That, that was a problem way back then. Let no one deceive you by any means. That day will not come. The rapture will not come. Uh, the, the day of the Lord, the tribulation, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And now he starts going into the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above everything that is called God and his worship, so he sits in as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's a description of what's going on in Revelation 13. Amazing, and Paul's teaching a church about this. This is, I mean, he's, he's, he's only got a little time to write these letters, and there are only so few of them. I wish he'd written so many more. And God has him talking about this stuff that most people don't know anything about and pay any attention to, unless it's popularized by Tim LaHaye, you know, and it's left behind, or it's whatever. And look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit. And the lawless one will come, that's the Antichrist, who will be revealed, and the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Now look who he gets to, verse 10. And that's where I want to end. And with all unrighteous deception, there's that word again, among those who perish because they did not receive. And here's the essence of salvation. This is how you know if you're saved tonight. This is really big. This is what saved people have. The love of the truth that they might be saved. True Christians 
are lovers of the truth. What does 2 Thessalonians say? Verse three, we already read, truth gets abandoned is the first thing that happens, and I'm seeing it. Most people know more about Taylor Swift's song lyrics than they know about biblical doctrine. I, I, hey, I'm around hundreds, I'm around thousands of Christian kids. They know by heart popular music. Two-thirds of all adults regularly play games. Of all adults in America, there are 300 million Americans and half of them are adults. Two-thirds of them game daily. Two-thirds. Bloomberg said it. Now, they might have exaggerated that one. All I can say is truth has gotten abandoned. It's hard to read the Bible. We have to we have to start cover-to-cover ministries to get people to read the Bible. Uh, you know what I mean? You have to give them an incentive or something. Truth gets abandoned. Number two, Almighty God gets pushed aside. That's what we saw in the verses I read, verses four through eight. And God is. He doesn't, he doesn't weigh heavily on people's schedules. Did you know more people are involved in weekend sports then go to church. That's where America's gotten to. It's, it's, God is, almighty God is pushed aside and Satan begins to amaze the world. And God sends strong delusion on truth neglectors. Now all this is the run up to the tribulation. I'm not saying it's today. What I'm saying is how do we how do we get ready? Well, global delusion is coming on the unrighteous ones. And what's God's solution? What, what did God tell Paul to do? God's solution hasn't changed. Every believer in Christ's church needs to be nurtured in God's word until they are mature enough to discern truth. See, that's, that's the answer to the question I asked you at the beginning. Why do Bonnie and I wear ourselves out and going on this 10-year commitment? Because after being in America for so long, I realized that that you need to go to where the young people are willing to make amazing sacrifices. I mean, a lot of these kids we're talking to aren't thinking about careers at all. They're saying, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life poor and sharing the gospel. Bonnie and I personally share a couple that live in Cebu, one of the islands of the Philippines. There are over 8,900 islands in the Philippines. They live on that island. Why? Because it's the transportation hub for all of the thousands of Philippine islands. And it's also a Muslim island inside the Philippines. And they live on $350 a month. That's not very much. You know, 10, 10 $11.30 a day they live on. They have kids. They eat rice on banana leaves and live in a hut and don't have a house. They live there so they can share the gospel. Yeah, he's one of the sharpest guys I know. He knows Adobe, all of Adobe's platform. He edited videos for me. He should be making $150 an hour in America or 200. He's so good. He's living in Cebu. Why? Because he, he says, you know what? The people are so open here. They're just traveling in and out. And he went to the Bible Institute where Bonnie and I taught. 
one, and, and if I ever get to the slides, we have the privilege of handpicking the best of the students and we start supporting them because I told Bonnie, these are winners. I could tell they were a winner in the class. I could tell their assignments, how they study the Bible, that they weren't afraid to do face-to-face -face evangelism and they already speak all those languages. And you're not trying to export America and put them inside a little bubble and have them live in their bubble and go out. They just live in an apartment with all these other people eating off banana leaves. It's just unbelievable. Discern the truth, defend against deception in their own life, and then disciple someone else to do the same. So how do we do that? And this is, by the way, I'm just telling you what I tell the kids. Number one, start some healthy relationships. Most kids aren't close to anybody. They're in this electronic world. They text everybody. They don't even walk over and talk to them. Get connected. There should be somebody in your life that knows where you are in the Bible, and they look at you and they say, you're not moving very fast. What's going on with you? You were on that chapter last week. You say, I'm doing a really in-depth study. You go, uh-huh, what are you learning in that in-depth study? Get connected where you share on a weekly basis. Learn verses. I was so happy, Just, I mean, I had lunch with, or uh, coffee with Justin McCoy. I said, you're going with the Navigators? I pulled out my Navigator pack. I said, which pack are you on? And kind of shocked him, you know? Are you learning healthy verses? Are you, memor are you today learning verses from the Bible? I mean, that's rhetorical, but it shouldn't be. Did you know that's what people should ask you when you come to church? What's the last verse you committed to memory and you're meditating on right now? I just talked in that line this morning. One of the people came up to me and showed me their verses. They're actually older than I am. They were in one of my study groups. And they said, you know what, my whole life has changed. I'm, I'm, I'm in the hundreds of verses that I've learned. You should, get you should try and learn a verse a week for the next year. Did you know it should be that you have that core of verses? And if you, I mean, we've got Navigator people all over the place. Talk to Tim Johnson, talk to Jeff. Go on Amazon, that's even better. Here, look at that. Look what you can get for $20. $19 with Prime, no postage. That has 60 verses. The 60 most important verses in the Bible, categorized in five, let's see, message, which I wouldn't call the Bible, it's a paraphrase, ESV, NRSV, NLT, NAS is on there, uh, New American, uh, New King James, they have all the versions for all 60 verses, and all you do is, we you should want verses in your mind because it's not going to be long till you get to be my age and you're going to be in the hospital with one of those going, you know, in your mouth uh, with, or, uh, you know, some kind of an oxygen mask. Get ready. You only get what you have in your heart. Use a healthy study Bible. Now, this is something. I started the 52 Greatest Chapters and then we filmed it and put it online. Bonnie filmed it and I taught it in, in our studio. Did you know people are buying study Bibles that didn't even know there was such a thing because they want to check doctrine themselves. That's what discernment is. Be sure you get a Bible that teaches historical, evangelical, dispensational truth. No, and if you get covenant truth, that's okay. They're, they're right 99% of the time, so it's okay. Use that study Bible to trace doctrines in God's word to see how scripture presents the doctrines. We all should be in a Bible Institute program for ourselves to know doctrine. Get a healthy theology book and pray for us because of this. And I'm going to quit. These are our three, this is our missionary report, our three greatest blessings of 2022. 
Bonnie and I were at Denver Airport, and there's the picture. That's exactly what it looked like the day we came. It was in the news. And we were standing to the right, that column and to the right, and we were standing there with our bags, and uh, I don't know what Bonnie was doing, but I had my bags there, and she was, I think, looking at something at the counter, and all of a sudden, it looked like a heat-seeking missile. Through all those people, someone was cutting straight through them diagonally toward me. So I looked, I didn't know where they were going, so I was kind of stepping, moving my bag back. I thought they were headed to the restroom or something. They came right up to me. Here, I'll read it to you. This is one of my greatest blessings of 2022. I watched Scott, Bonnie and I did, together. As he pushed through the crowds at Denver Airport, he vividly portrayed how the Lord had used us to see 100 plus people saved and discipled over these last two weeks, or two years. He came up to us to say, I saw you across the airport. He said, I've never met you. He said, I got saved during COVID. He said, you're discipling me, and I'd like to thank you. And he walked away with his bag. And I said to Bonnie, was he an angel? Was that a real person? It was so fast. That was a blessing because we got to see that God is, is saving people. Secondly, we finished together in the studio the first half of four big courses that we're doing at Discover the Book Academy. We got the 52 greatest chapters, the, the Bible study I did here for two years with those 10 groups that was the best time of my life. We surveyed the whole Bible. Then we did a survey of every chapter of the New Testament. It's the life of Christ in the Holy Land, all four Gospels and showing them all the the how to understand harmony of the gospels and we just started on paul's life and letters i'm teaching through acts to philemon every chapter and then after that the final epistles that's hebrew to revelation this is our studio and there's bonnie right there in the bottom uh right corner and we actually have a version of that there are six cameras and all that stuff that goes into a suitcase and i mean wherever we are i mean i've sat in in London, I've sat in Paris, I've sat in all the places where we've taught, and in our house where we're staying, wherever they give us, I get in the corner and set, you know, and I just keep the classes going with the small groups. Number three, our third greatest blessing after seeing Scott and then finishing half of our goal to get uh, these recordings done, Bonnie and I get to serve together. This is Bonnie teaching the ladies. She was in this room packed with women all of them refugees, all of them from things that I could hardly say in public. Uh, there's one lady, uh, I shouldn't point, but, you, oh, she's, her back is to us, and, and you see her in that chair there. She supported her family coming from Nigeria. She supported them in the Termini in Rome as a prostitute. That's how her family ate, because her husband couldn't get a job, and he approved reluctantly for her to earn their money as a prostitute. She came as a refugee, came to the church, this is in Northern England, got led to Christ by this sweet family that runs the refugee center, and her husband's now an elder at that church. I went to the prayer meeting. She leads, that lady? I've never been in a prayer meeting like that in my life. Have you ever been in a Nigerian prayer meeting? I mean, I felt like I was somewhere in the tabernacle in the wilderness with Moses. I mean, she was quoting verses at the top of her voice and everybody was with her doing it. And it was just the most marvel in English. And she was talking about all the verses she knows about knowing she's cleansed and forgiven and in the sight of Christ, blameless. She was a prostitute in the Termini before she was saved. And now she's the leader 
of the women's ministry. Her husband is an elder. And Bonnie got to teach him. And she did the doctrine of God, and I just got the men. And I had men from 19 countries and fascinating. Uh, just some testimonies. Uh, Tara Brown wrote us and said, uh, I wish I could come to, she heard I was coming to Calvary. Um, your sermon saved me. What she's saying is she's one of those COVID people. This one, uh, they're in the UK and, and they are in the 52 greatest chapters. And they decided that since they couldn't find a local church, they started a Bible study with their four kids in their home. Have you ever been in a British home? They're about as small as a starter home, like one of those space-saving ones that you can sweep the whole house with standing in one place. And they are inviting all their neighbors in with their four kids to do a Bible study because they want to serve the Lord. Uh, this is another one from Canada that got saved. I told you about the trucker in one of the services this morning. These are typical kids. These are the kids I'm around all the time. That's what makes it worthwhile to uh, do this. Look at Bonnie. Bonnie, I wish you knew Bonnie on the road. Bonnie is like a college kid. She comes alive about 8 o'clock. And me, I'm so tired. I said, I got to get up at 5. I'm going to bed. She said, oh, honey, and she'll tuck me in poof, to the dorms. There she is with them. She just loves it. And she has become the godly older woman and mother figure that none of these kids ever had. I mean, some of them, both parents are gone or parents are divorced or parents have disowned them. And she gets to do that. And I mean, she even, this was Bonnie teaching on marriage. And look, all the men came in because they weren't supposed to. It was just a ladies' meeting. Uh, this is uh, where I teach in New York. And then this is the last thing I wanted to tell you. Do you ever wonder what I do with all the thousands of dollars of books I sell? Does any of you ever wondered about that? Come on, be honest. I mean, we, I can't believe all these people on YouTube just buy thousands of dollars of books. Well, what we've done, Bonnie and I, I mean, all, of course, we don't keep any of it, but Discover the Book now supports with the book money. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. So far, 29 of our graduates that we personally have trained we saw them as kids, a lot of them are getting, getting married. They're serving in Taiwan, Japan, Hungary, Korea, the Philippines, and we're adding five new countries this year. So if you know anybody, tell them buy a book. Tell them you know what happens to the money. That it'll go to someone that lives on $350 a month and lives on Cebu and wants to reach the Muslims for Christ. So we're thankful, uh, by the way, we, we left here after one month of fundraising and raised all 6,100 from Calvary Bible Church. Did you know that? We live on $6,100 a month and the saints of Calvary in one month committed that. And I'd say other than the ones that have died and a few people that have had hardship, they're all still supporting us. And we, as you can tell, I eat very well. And the Lord is blessing and we're thankful for you. Let's all stand, and we're going to close in prayer, and, and I don't know if uh, Ryan's going to come up, but if not, if he doesn't come up during the prayer, you can leave. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you, as Bonnie and Julia and Estelle in their different presentations mentioned, that we are thrilled to be a part of seeing those from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation that have been gloriously converted and they want to go back and reach their own. And thank you that you're doing that now in such a time of deception, helping these young people to get grounded in the truth, to understand doctrine, and to be able to resist the lies of the deceiver. And I pray that we would be challenged 
that Calvary Bible saints would be challenged to get back to those basics, memorize scripture, and talk about it with friends. And find out what they're memorizing and find out what works and what encourages and what helps us to resist Satan's many attacks. And I pray that we would, as Hebrews 10 says, exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The day of your coming and also the day of darkness in this world of Satan's deceptions. Help us to have healthy relationships built around your word. Help us to have healthy verses we're memorizing and, and healthy uh, Bibles that, that we study doctrine in and, and, and understand and take people with us to heaven. Thank you for letting us meet. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And God bless you as you go.